Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. For many LGBTQ young people, breaking the news to mom and dad can be the scariest part of coming out. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. All parents want what's best for their kids, but providing support isn't always easy, especially if you're the mom or dad of a lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, or questioning child. And for some kids, life without proper support when they come out can have serious risks. According to research by the Family Acceptance Project, so-called rejecting behaviors from parents can increase a queer child's likelihood of experiencing depression and thoughts of suicide. Now, this is an ongoing private discussion that's happening in many homes across the country. And at a time when we're seeing a rise in anti-gay and anti-trans laws and bills, we're going to spend this episode talking with parents of LGBTQ youth to learn how they've tackled the unique challenges that have come their way. We're joined by Flori Chapa, who's a member of Mama Bears. That's a national organization dedicated to serving LGBTQ families with education and support. And Flory's son, Javier Chapa, who's a coordinator of outreach services with Chicago's Howard Brown Health. That's the largest LGBTQ organization in the Midwest. Now, Javier, you came out to your mom during your senior year of high school. What was that experience like? You know, um, <laughs> I, I won't lie. It was definitely um, kind of a traumatic experience only because of the way that things transpired you know, as a young queer person, you kind of like think over and over, like, how is this um, coming out moment going to happen? Um, and so it kind of happened unintentionally. You know, I was um, always a really great student, you know, very hard worker. Um, as soon as I started high school, I had my eyes set on Northwestern University here mm-hmm. in Chicago for college. So just wanted to make sure I was working really hard to get there. And um, outside of that, I kind of had like that sort of double life where like I was – You know, when I'm not being a good student, I was out going to parties, drinking and, you know, being a little bad here and there. And so honestly, when I came out, it was just kind of a culmination of like all this stress and um, swallowing these secrets and, you know, not being honest with anyone in my life about it. And honestly, it was like a day where I just, you know, was during midterms. I had a half day. Mm -hmm. I went to a party after I was drinking. I just like did not have control of myself and um, everything kind of just like hit me at once. All the emotions of like carrying the secret, not having anyone close to my life, like know about it. Mm. And it all just kind of exploded. And it was just like this big outburst where I was really emotional. Um, I remember I was like in a musical production at that point. I missed rehearsal that night because I was like, you know, sobering up and I'm like, Oh my gosh, what am I doing here? You know, this (laughs) is not like me. And so it just kind of came out, you know, once I was with my mom because I had called her to come get me and, like, was super emotional. And once we were back yeah. home, we just had a conversation about it. And it just kind of, like, came out, you know. Yeah. And well, Flory, what did you say? Um, it was uh, – to this day, I get emotional when I think of that day. Um, I had gotten a call from a friend of mine saying, we think Javi is dead. and Is dead? Is dead. At that point, we didn't know, you know. And um, she's like, I know where he's at. We know he's at a friend's house. And we went driving over there. I'm hysterical in the car. Get there to find him. Um, The parents of this child are there. And I'm just pushing past. And I'm like, where's my son? Where's my son? 
find him, as he said, very emotional in the bathroom and uh, on the floor. Oh, you know, it's an image you just don't forget. And just, Mommy, take me home. Mm. And brought him home. And after a while, he was speaking with his best friend, childhood friend, when she comes down and says, Mama, he's ready to talk to you. And I go up, and that's when he says... I think I'm gay. And he's like, I don't want to be. I don't want you to be ashamed of me. He said, I don't want to be. I don't want to be. I think he was trying to fight it at that moment and thinking maybe I was not going to accept him. His sisters were not. And it was just, I don't want to say a sigh of relief of of that. On your I, part? On my part. Well, just I mean, you showed up thinking he was I, dead. Because he was dead. Exactly. So I'm like, oh, Javi, I just remember saying to him, what makes he goes, I don't want you disappointed in me. And I said, the only thing that disappoints me is you thinking that your life isn't worth it. I go, I don't care. And I just remember looking at him and saying, I don't care who you love, how you love. Mm. Just know how to love, receive love, receive respect, give respect. And I said, being gay, and I just remember saying, being gay is just a small part of who you are, of the whole person of who's Javi. Yeah. And... After that, I think that gave him the liberty and the freedom to just relax and be who he was meant to be. Javier, where did the reservations come from when it came to telling your mom, especially? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, growing up, we are so influenced by what we see in media, especially as someone who's young and the TV shows that we watch, movies, etc., and I just grew up never really having any LGBTQ plus role models. I didn't really have anyone that I was like looking up to or like striving to grow up to be like them. And so the the few representations that I did see always depicted these like traumatic coming out moments and like the family rejecting them mm-hmm. and like it being this really turbulent experience. And I think I just grew up in a household where like it wasn't necessarily like it wasn't okay, but it wasn't something that was talked about either. I see. And I so see. the absence of any um, discussion or like um, any education on, you know, LGBTQ people, um, any stories about LGBTQ people in my family's lives, the absence of that kind of left my imagination to create my own narrative, which was based out of fear that, you know, I'm going to assume the worst that since no one speaks on this since you know people maybe aren't taking like hints that i'm giving here and there or just like you know reading me because i mean i feel like i'm someone who is very like you know can be interpreted as like flamboyant sometimes so you know not seeing that and maybe trying to have conversations with me about it it just allowed me to create my own narrative where i was assuming that um my family wouldn't accept it Mm -hmm. um we're also latino family and so you know this idea of like machismo being, you know, like a manly man, um, kind of having to, you know, refuse your feelings and like prioritize things over that. Um, yeah, I think that also had a big, uh, you know, influence in me not wanting to like speak on it at that point. Yeah, it's very real, very relatable. You you said a moment ago, Flora, you said, you know, you told your son, I don't care who you love. I, I don't care how you love. How were you able to do that? How were you able to create this safe space? For him to be able to just express himself. Um, My love for him. He's my child. He's my son. And I can't imagine my world without my children. And my son and I 
have an extremely close bond and close connection that I can't imagine not being there for him and not being there supporting him. So that was never, it never crossed my mind to, to question it, to, to reject it. Yeah. It just, it, it, it wasn't part of my story. But let's be real. This is, this is not always the case for other LGBTQ people. I want to play a little bit of a conversation. Our producer talked with uh, BT Harmon from Atlanta. Now BT, shared his coming out story to his mom, who was more religious and conservative. And uh, he drove all the way to her home in Kentucky, unannounced. And to this day, he actually still calls it the scariest day of his life. She did pretty good in that conversation. But over the next couple of years, you know, we had some really rocky times. I mean, there was a whole year we really didn't speak much because at the end of the day, she was trying to twist my arm and to convince me to, to get into therapy and to not be gay and marry a woman. I'm kind of trying to twist her arm and, uh, you know, wanting her to come to what we call the affirming side in evangelicalism, which is where you affirm your child's sexual identity or gender identity. And um, we really came to a standstill. And really, it came to a point probably around 2016, where we both just had to let go of sort of our compulsive desire to change the other person. And we had to agree to live and let live. Thank you for sharing your story with us, BT. So because of his experience, BT founded Harbor. Uh, That's an online support group for for Christian parents of gay children. You're also a part of a a parent support group, Flory. It's called the Mama Bears. So why did you want to join the group and, and, and what kind of support have you gotten from it? So I found out about the Real Mama Bears. It's a Facebook. It's on Facebook, started by Liz Dyer back in 2014. And um, I found it during the pandemic. And I think like many of the members, we found it watching the final episode of Schitt's Creek when a mama bear, the Mama Bear representatives wrote a letter to Dan Levy, Levy um, regarding how wonderfully he portrayed gay marriage in the show. Mm. And I was so intrigued that I looked him up on Facebook and quickly joined. And they... it gives such a wealth of information there because they are there to, that group is there to empower, to educate, to provide resource to families in the LBGTQ community. And it also expanded my knowledge because I knew our experience yeah. and that was it. And maybe some of his friends' experiences whom then I had become close to as well. And I knew our story wasn't the norm. I know we were an exception to the rule. We were lucky. Um, So reading that just really gave me such an insight into what is really happening Mm. in the LBGTQ community and has also enabled me to give back to that community knowing that he had a safe place to come out to, knowing that um, Javier was supported throughout everything, and here it allows me to support others, yeah. just like in Javi's choice of um, of employment, he wanted to give back as well. Right, and at Howard so, Brown. Yes, yeah. yes. When you came out, Javier, did you turn to anyone else for support? I mean, it sounds like you had a lot from mom, which is great. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was definitely met with support, and I think for me, like, coming out, I've always been, like, against it as a concept. Personally, I always felt like... Uh, coming out was more of a pressure on me to um, accommodate others' feelings and to make other people feel comfortable around me. So there wasn't like that sense of uncertainty. Well, you said before you were just dropping hints and just kind of hoping people would catch it. Yeah, you know, I'm like, yeah. That, I, that I, certainly I, takes the pressure off you to have to 
have this sit down moment and yeah, tell everyone this like interview moment, right? I'm like, I'm like, feel like I'm on the spot, and yeah. So I just never was like about coming out. I was, um, and so. I really, like I said, it was like, you know, all this was bottling up. It exploded. I told my mom, one of my best friends, Nicole. Um, and then after that, I was just kind of like, well, I came out. So I guess people will just see me being gay and know I'm gay or <laughs> they won't. And they're not a part of my life then. So it doesn't matter if they know or don't know. Um, and that's when I first, like, you know, was really accepting it. Now I'm very, very <laughs> vocal. So um, not that same mindset. But yeah, I honestly, you know, got support um, immediately through my mom, my best yeah. friends. And like, I told my closest friends and they're all like, yeah, and we knew. <laughs> we we're just waiting for you to like want to tell us. We caught the hints. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they picked up the hints. So right, right, right. Um, yeah. Well, Flory, what do you say to the person listening right now who's got a child or, or, or a loved one who has come out and they're in this space where they still don't know how they feel about it. They don't know what to do with the news. Well, you know, the feelings are justified because in the sense that we want the best for our children. We don't want, and I remember at the time we were going through a difficult divorce and I was with a ther- uh, seeing a therapist and I came to her and I told her, Javier came out. And she's like, how do you feel about that? And I go, I almost don't want him to be like that because of the difficulties that he's going to face in life. And she goes, well, look at the difficulties that you're facing. Were you expecting that in your life? And I said, no. And she goes, you can't project it. You can't predict it. And those difficulties had nothing to do with your sexuality. It had nothing to do. And she says, you can't predict what's going to happen, be it your life, be it your son's life. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you're right. So it gave me a different perspective that I'm like, I wasn't afraid for him anymore. And I think once he moved here back home to Chicago, because we were in Buffalo, New York at the time, and I knew he would have the freedom to be himself. So being he, so what I would say to families now is just, your feelings are justified, but at the same time, remember you're a parent, that's your child. Remember the love that you have for your child. And that comes first and foremost in what you want for your child, what is best for your child, the love that you have for your child. Because at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Were there any other family members who weren't on board? Who were not on board? Yeah. Thankfully, his sisters, when he came out that night to us... Um, well, I don't even think I really came out to you my... No, you never was, really came out. He yeah, just I was like, was. All right, we You were like, my mom knows. Yeah. Everyone else can figure it <laughs> out. And that's, exactly. That's how it was with my sisters. I'm like, I, I never even felt like I had to because I always like had a trusting relationship with them. Um, and of course we would like fight, but that's like normal sibling things. And so I, it, it was just like, well, I feel good now. So I don't really feel like I need to keep telling people. Cause like, you're just going to see me with a man one day, or like, you're just going to like, you're going to see it in action one day and be like, Oh, that's someone living out and proud as a gay person, mm. you know? Well, I talked earlier about how we've seen so many bills now, right? Targeting mm-hmm. LGBTQ people in this legislative session alone. Yeah. How does that make you feel, Javier? I mean, I'm I'm angry. Um, I'm sadly not surprised because this is where we were, you know, back in like 1970s. You know, um, it's just this cycle recycling itself. Um, and I, it's weird because living here in Chicago, I feel like I've created this queer bubble that I live in. You know, my job, I work at a queer organization. All of my friends, uh, my chosen family here is like all queer and trans. And so I'm I'm grateful to have that, you know, life. But um, it makes me angry that that is like 
uh, a rarity now in this country yeah. and that people in small towns or, you know, places that aren't like Chicago that protect their, you know, uh, citizens don't have that protection or safety. And yeah. it's angering because it's very clear that the objective of this legislation is to distract us, to um, create a new scapegoat so that um, people in power can continue to just um, not serve the people who elect them. You know, mm-hmm. none of this is actually benefiting anyone. It's all fear mongering and it's just putting another target on a minority so that, you know, they can rally everyone against that. Meanwhile, when they're actually, you know, um, when, when they're actually trying to pass laws, it's not an- anything that actually like benefits their citizens. And so it's just really sad to see so many people um, getting caught up in that and being convinced that, you know, like drag is grooming children and this and that. And and I'm so lucky every day through my job and all these events. Like, I mean, it's it's been Pride Month here here in Chicago, and I'm exhausted. I've been working every weekend yeah, doing events, yeah. but so many amazing events that were at schools with children, um, sharing drag education um, with children, and it was all these beautiful, beautiful events with families mm-hmm. and people just celebrating and being happy with who they are, whether that's gay, straight, bi, trans, whatever. Yeah. Um, well, I hear that in the face of all of uh, what's happening now is these, we talk about these bills and these laws. Flory, you were at the the Pride Parade this weekend giving out hugs. I was. I was. <laughs> I was part of a, a, subsidi- a subsidiary of the um, Real Mama Bears. So it's called Free Mom Hugs. And it was the most em- emotional, empowering event I had ever been to. Oh. And um, just walking along the parade route and we had our T-shirts on saying Free Mom Hugs. And the young people calling out to us, and I had many of us, all of us had the same situation, but I had five in particular individual young girls who called me over and started crying and asked for a hug, and they wouldn't let go. Mm. And they said, they all said the same thing, we weren't accepted by our parent. And, you know, I just grabbed their faces, and I'm like, you're heard, you're seen, you're loved. You'll get through this. And getting back, walking through the parade, I thought of Javi. And I'm thinking, how can you not accept your child? How can you not? We've been chatting with mother and son, Flory and Javier Chapa. Thank you both so much for sharing this story. Thank Thank you for having us. Now, we've been talking about the role parents play in their LGBTQ child's life and the support queer youth need to feel safe and protected. What does that journey look like when the parent is also a part of the LGBTQ community? We'll turn now to Mike Mazio, who's a member of the board of directors at Howard Brown Health. So, Mike, your child's name is Cassidy, and they're non-binary. What can you tell us about them? Who is Cassidy? Who is Cassidy? (laughs) I don't think we have quite enough time to cover that. Um, And uh, they're an amazing kid. They love... um, politics. They love Latin. They're a New York Mets fan for some reason that I can't quite understand. (laughs) Uh, They're a sophomore uh, at NYU and um, they're queer. And that's part of their identity that's really important to them and important to our family. But um, yeah, it's just one of the great things, amazing things about them. One aspect of Cassidy's life. So what was Cassidy's coming out story like? 
we talked a little bit about this last night and and there was no moment there was no um interview uh, as Javi was saying uh, earlier um you know Cassidy joked that I just kept updating my Instagram and and you saw what was going on in my life and and we would talk about it and you know I think that they still felt some nerves and and you know you always worry that your parents are going to accept you but they were pretty confident that it would it would go well and it would be um, an affirming experience. Now, is that because you are also part of the community? Was it easier to tell my dad who is gay? Um, you know, I think uh, Cassidy's mom is also incredibly affirming and supportive, um, enthusiastic about um, uh, the journey that Cassidy is on. Um, but, you know, throughout our lives, we've... Um, exposed Cassidy to our own lives and and lots of queer people and um I think their very their level of comfort with that was super high because of all the experiences that they've had in I their see. life before. So what was your coming out story like? Mm, was there a the, moment? Oh, certainly there was a moment. Um and it was much later in life, so um uh, I was married to Cassidy's mom, and that was um, not until I was in my later 30s that I uh, came out. And, and because of the um, situation I had gotten myself into with being married, and it was just a very uh, difficult, traumatic uh, experience for all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, Cassidy was small at the time, so uh, less so for them, and I think probably didn't know that part of the story until much later. But, um, you know, I didn't have the kind of supportive family that made uh, it possible for me to mm. uh, have the strength and the bravery to come out when I was younger. So 30 plus years, right, of of living a different life. Yeah, it was, it was very, very painful. And, you know, I look back on it with a lot of regret, but also, you know, try to give myself grace for the situation that I was in and... You know, the level of concern about uh, coming out when you know that the people that you love and look up to, your family, uh, is not going to be supportive of that. It, it, For me, it made it very difficult. Now, thinking about Cassidy, I mean, in what ways does your identity as a gay man make it easier or more challenging to, to understand Cassidy's experience as a non-binary person. Yeah, I, I, um, I'm learning. You know, I, I think it's so. There's still a learning curve there. It's very exciting. There's so much cool uh, stuff going on, and you know, of course, I want to be a part of it and I want to know about it. But you know, the teenagers don't want to share everything uh, with their parents about um, the details and and what's going on there. I used to, I, I used to love every morning getting up. Um, when they were getting ready for school to mm-hmm. see, you know, what would the look be like today? And and some days it was sweatpants because, you know, it's five minutes before school was starting. And right. other days it would be, you know, uh, an amazing um, makeup and hair. And, and I was just so thrilled to to experience that and be uh, be a part of it. And I, you know, I say thrilled because... It, <sighs> We use the word acceptance, mm-hmm. and I think it's, you know, for me, not nearly enough, right? I accept you. It sounds like it's somehow um, hard. 
it's somehow it sounds like uh, I'll put up with it. Yeah, but but I'm thrilled to know about my kid. You're I'm embracing excited. it. I, I'm I'm so enthusiastic, and you know I I want to hear more about uh, times when kids come out to their parents and their parents say things like, "I'm so excited that you're gay. This is amazing. Um, I'm looking forward to." Uh, that experience for you, and I'm so happy for you. Mm. What have you learned from Cassidy about the way they need or that they want to be supported? Mm, good question. I like um, to ask, right, when I when I learned that. Um, I think talking to them about their experience and seeing, um, seeing what – just recognizing the things that they – react to. Right. And so kind of um, I had this experience uh, just a couple of weeks ago. They went to a concert and posted some pictures and I um, I just made a comment like your makeup looks amazing. Um, I got immediately hearts back. Thank you for saying that. And, you know, it just reminds me that these kinds of recognition of um, expressions Mm -hmm of their identity, right? That's the kind of thing that you see it and you can react to in a positive way and that can create... Um, I, I, I underestimated how much that was valuable to them mm-hmm. uh, in their experience. And how po- important is it, uh, Mike, to, to know how a child wants to be supported? I don't think it's worth stressing over exactly how to do it. I think our parental instincts affirm how we can be supportive Mm -hmm. and that coming from that place um, makes all kinds of uh, gestures towards support very, very well received. For our conversation today, Mike, uh, we talked with B.T. Harmon, who's the the founder of a company called Harbor. That's an online support group and community for for Christian parents of LGBTQ children. And now B.T. says that listening is important for, for parents who feel that their child's gender identity or sexuality feels foreign to them. Let's listen. We talk a lot about in our group just the idea of, you know, let your child interpret what's happening in the culture. Hey, how does this thing make you feel? What do you think about X? Hey, can you help me understand why? Um, I think if you enter this conversation from a place of humility, from a place of curiosity, from a place of questions and an eagerness to learn, what that's going to do is going to signal to your child that you're not there to lecture. You're not there with all the answers. Uh, you're there to listen and to learn and to understand. And I think if you begin there, that's such a healthy foundation and then from there, you can build and grow. And you know, maybe tough conversations eventually come, but you don't want to start with the tough conversations. Start with a whole lot of love, a whole lot of empathy, and a whole lot of listening. So, Mike, for the parents who are learning to navigate this change with their child, what would you say to them? I, I liked what he said about curiosity because, um, you know, for me, there's a lot that I don't know about, you know, Cassidy's own experience and and just young people uh, in general. And so, you know, asking questions, of course, kids don't always want to tell you everything you want to know as a parent. But, um, you know, I also tried to supplement that with um, things that I could learn on my own without them telling me, Mm -hmm. which, you know, I think sometimes I asked, well, what should I read? Right. Um, But 
you know, Cassidy was really there, I think, to help me with that because they understood that I had that curiosity and I was um, doing it because I wanted to to be a partner with them in their journey, but also um, because I had that genuine curiosity yeah. about it. I loved when you you brought up the example of just simply waking up early enough to to see Cassidy's, you know, getting ready for school process. <laughs> this <laughs> like, Instagram, what will it be today? <laughs> this Instagram is so good. It's a great follow. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, why do you think some other kids have such a hard time coming out to their parents? What's missing there? I, I you know, I, I get kind of emotional myself when I when I think about that because the parents can do so much way ahead of when uh, kids have that moment or, or not, because I don't know, like kids are learning from their parents and observing what they do all the time. And the things that parents do and say, who they associate with, what activities they're involved in, they all send signals to their kids about whether they're going to be supportive and you know, kids who don't come out don't get the signals that their parents are going to embrace them and embrace this identity. Mm-hmm. They don't get that signal loud and clear. Um, and so as a parent, you know, certainly be prepared for if that moment happens um, to be. Um, you said it before, excited. To be excited. Um, I had a I had a colleague who um tragically passed away recently and he was uh, making some videos for his kids uh, that were growing up and I I sent him a note and I said um, I don't know what will happen but make a video in case your kid comes out Mm -hmm. and let them know how much that you love them and and support them and uh, uh, he sent that back to me right away I didn't think of that but thank you it's not something that maybe we think about all the time, but um, uh, you know, it might happen yeah. in your family. Great advice. That's Mike Mazio, who's a member of Howard Brown Health's board of directors. Thank you so much for joining us and for sharing your story. My pleasure. This episode of Reset was produced by Micah Yason and edited by Ethan Schwab and Stephanie Kim. Stay connected with deeper conversations like this one by subscribing to make sure that this podcast is in your feed. We drop new episodes every weekday morning and afternoon and a bonus on Saturdays. But that's all for today. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll talk again soon. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.